What's up, BlackRock? How are we doing this morning? <laughs> Welcome back to part four of our David series. I have the opportunity of concluding us this morning with one final word from David and word about David. It's going to be awesome. How many of you have enjoyed this series so far? Come on. <laughs> Me too. It's been a great ride. It's been, it's been a good one. It's been a good one. Thank you for the memories. It's been awesome. Hey, uh, <laughs> these past few weeks, we've read a few different stories about the character David, who's found in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's a little bit pre-Jesus. It's cool, though. He's the second most mentioned person in the Bible after Jesus. No big deal. And uh, we, we've explored a few different stories the first three weeks. I'm not even going to catch you up on all those because I don't have time today. But you can check them out on uh, our podcast or YouTube, whatever fits your fancy. Tonight, or oh my gosh, I'm used to preaching at 6 o'clock. I'm sorry. Today, today, my mind is here, I promise. Today, we're actually going to read something that David wrote himself. So the past few weeks, we've listened to stories about David Today, we're actually going to read a story, or rather a psalm, written from David. But before we do that, I'm going to pray over us. Because as we conclude today in part four, on the pursuit of purpose, people, and pleasure, we're going to find that the battles that you and I face today, the questions that you and I have today were the same battles and the same questions that David faced a few thousand years ago. And I'm just going to pray that God's going to be with us on this journey and with you. So, Lord, yeah, we thank you for the message before the message. I'm just extra grateful for the worship this morning, Lord, how it encouraged my heart. God, I pray that it encouraged the hearts of many. I pray that as we continue in worship through your word, that we will continually be encouraged by your spirit because that's what you do. We ask again that you will take this message and make it uniquely fit each and every person in this room to where they are today and tomorrow. And God, as you humbled me this past week, I'm not praying for the Red Sox today because they have not won a game since I played last week. I actually pray the opposite, that they won't get swept tonight by the Yankees. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Baseball's fun. The Bible's fun, too. Let's get into it. So, <laughs> Psalm 16 is where we're reading today. If you brought your Bible, cool. If not, we're going to have it on the screen in just a moment. You might see a title there. It says, A Mictum of David. Now, assuming that most people in this room, like me, don't speak Hebrew or know what the heck a mictum is. Essentially, what's going on, this is a story, this is a psalm that David wrote actually after he was confronted by the prophet Nathan. Josh talked about this in week two of our series. After David had slept with another man's wife and killed her husband, he writes this psalm after he has been confronted. And a mictum, it simply means this. There's a few different definitions. One meaning of it is gold. Another one is a covering in the Old Testament. So this was actually implied that immediately after, this was like a silent sermon for David. This was David preaching to himself. So we see David's soul is raw and exposed and hurt 
at his wrongdoing, but he's also in the process of recovering. So this was the message that David preached to himself immediately after a super difficult time. Sometimes we have to do that as Christians. We don't need to spend so much time preaching to other people as we need to preach to ourselves when we're going through rough times. We gotta preach to our head and our heart before we preach it to the world, amen? So that's what David is about to do right here in Psalm 16. Let's pick up, we'll go for it. Verse one says, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Save the holy people who are in the land. They are the noble ones and whom is all my delight. Remember that for later. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Awkward verse, because I don't know about you, I don't really know many people that are pouring out like blood sacrifices to other gods. Like that would be kind of creepy and scary. But what that essentially means for you and me today was they were, there were these people that were worshiping gods other than the true God. They were worshiping, there was like a God of war, a God of violence, a God of sex, a God of success. And David is saying, hey, my soul right now is not in a healthy state, but I'm not gonna be like the other people that go and place their faith and trust after their soul is hurt and insecure in striving after useless things like success or useless things like sex or all these other things, war, violence, nationalism. Like there was a God of nationalism. David's like, I'm not gonna become one of those people, God. I'm gonna pursue you. Let's continue in verse five. He says, Lord, you alone are my portion in my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Essentially saying, man, God, your favor is good. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me, even in difficult times, right? Even at night, my heart instructs me. Where's da where are David's eyes? I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Here's where we're gonna camp today. Verse 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen. How good is that? How good is our God, right? Cool. We have to see, where, where's David coming from? Before we get to verse 11, let's just pause for a quick second and recognize in the first couple of verses, David actually uses three different names for God that are really important. The first one, where he says, keep me safe, my God, is this Hebrew word El, which essentially means God Almighty, all-powerful one. We know this in the church as omnipotent, strong God. Then he says, I say to the Lord, which is this word, Yehovah, which means the existing one, not just a God that existed, but a God that is still existing today, still present today. And then he makes it personal. So he's like, all right, God, you're powerful. You're almighty. You're existing. But then he says, my Lord, my Lord, or this word Adonai. You might've heard of this one before. And this essentially means this is someone's personal Lord. It indicates a decisive relationship for one to willingly and cheerfully enter into a bond-servant Lord relationship. So David is talking to God Almighty out of a place of, I know him and he knows me. 
So we have to remember that as we then continue throughout the rest of the psalm. Because again, after he says all these things, he's like, wait a second, there's a strong God who I know, and more importantly, he knows me. He continues to preach to himself in these difficult times. So essentially, the next three points that I have for us today are all about, this is like an antidote to a difficult time that you might be facing in life. If you're not facing one right now, you will, I promise, because that's how life goes. All right, ready? First point, purpose is on the path. Purpose is on the path. Are you looking for purpose? The world is still number one question asked on Google. Why am I here? Why am I here? What, what's the purpose of all of this? It's a question that everybody is asking that I believe that David begins to address in verse 11. The first thing he says is, you make known to me the path of life. Here's what's comforting for you and me. is that God has gone before us. God has gone before. You see, for there to be a path that exists, it means that somebody had to have gone before to trailblaze that path. Somebody had to have gone ahead. And God is saying, or David is confessing, God, you're the one that has gone ahead and you've made that path and you are making that path known to me. What's so interesting is that we read this text now with a New Testament lens. So we know, again, that Jesus came. We know that the end of the book that he existed, that he was here on earth. And if you remember, one of the most famous things that Jesus ever said in the Gospel of John, verse 14, verse 6, he says this. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Does that sound familiar? You make known to me the path, or your translation might actually even say the way, of life. Wow. Jesus has gone before you and me. And as we pursue after him, we begin to find purpose. Now, again, I want to just take a quick moment with you. Are you awake, by the way? You guys are rather quiet this morning. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I need you to preach with me. So often, I don't know if you've done this. I've done this too many times. I use the path of life as a means to the plan for my life in particular. Here's what I mean by that. I believe that if, I have believed that when I'm in relationship with Jesus, that he's finally gonna show me, God, what is your unique path for me? God, where am I supposed to live? What's your unique plan for me? Where am I supposed to work? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to wear today? Where am I supposed to park in the Walmart parking lot? going back to school. God, show me all these things. Show me your unique plan for me. But I believe that your unique plan for your life is the means to the end on pursuing the path that God has set before us. Here's what I mean. Students in the room, it does not matter where you go to school. It doesn't. It matters who you are at that school. Workers in the room, it does not matter where you work or what you do for work. Who are you at work? So God uses a, our unique plan of, of where we work, where we are planted, the people that he has placed in our life for us to pursue the path that he has of us for us of becoming more like him. So if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, man, let's find out what Jesus, well, what is the path of life then? What are you passionate about? 
Good question, church. Thank you. He set me up there. What's Jesus passionate about? Here's a few things, not all things, but here's a few things that Jesus was pretty passionate about. He was passionate about bringing the outsiders in, those that felt excluded, knowing that they're included. He was passionate about doing what is right over what is convenient. He was passionate about bringing justice for the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized. He was passionate about the church. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says that Jesus was in the synagogue as was his custom. Man, if Jesus had to go to church on a weekly basis, ah, Jesus was at the church weekly. Oh man, awkward. I'm not always doing that. Jesus was also passionate about prayer and retreating and being in communion with God. If Jesus was passionate about this, shouldn't we be? He's passionate about freeing those in any types of bondage. And he was passionate, as John 10, 10 says, about giving life and giving it to the full, living in the abundance of God. So the question for us is, wherever we are, are these things becoming more evident in our lives? Man, that there's actually purpose as I'm pursuing God. There's purpose as I'm working my job. There's purpose in who I am in Christ and what Jesus has me doing here on earth. I don't care if you're bagging groceries at ShopRite. Oh, awkward, we're not doing bags anymore, my bad. <laughs> that actually just hit me. If you're offering bags for people for 90 cents at ShopRite. Hey, we're making the planet a little bit more sustainable, stewarding the earth well. Hello, there we go, I just gave you one. You're welcome. There's purpose on the path that you're on. Here's a couple of questions. How do you confirm in your mind that you're on the right path? And the second one, which is setting me up for this next point, what factors or wisdom do you pull from to verify or discount the path that you're on? And that leads me to my next one, because I believe that one of the biggest ways that we can verify or discount the path that we're on it's by picking your people. Pick your people. Okay, so second part of the verse, really cool. David says, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Amazing, that we can actually be joyful in the presence of God. Like sometimes I come here in the morning <laughs> and we're singing really joyful songs and I look around and I'm like, oh my gosh, preach to your face because your face isn't showing that you're actually like glad to be here. <laughs> oh man, I do that all the time. I'm like, oh man, like, Smile a little bit more, Rob. Like, man, you're, you're in the presence of God right now with amazing people that are all pursuing at the same thing. But here's a really neat thing. Again, reading this verse with a New Testament lens and also knowing other attributes of God is that God is omnipresent, meaning that he is everywhere. And as Christ followers, the moment that you accept Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit enters your heart. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit cannot leave or forsake you. What does that mean? It means that you're not just in the presence of God when you're right here in these seats. It means that you're bringing God with you or rather God is bringing you with him outside of these doors. Then you ask, okay, if his presence doesn't leave me, I think what we really need to get to is the people in our lives are either going to make us more aware of the presence of God that already exists or more ignorant of him. Now that does not mean, all right, I am unfriending, unfollowing, no more hanging out with non-Christian friends. 
Actually, it's quite the opposite. I believe that some of the best times that I've had here on earth where I've received the joy of the Lord has actually been the presence of my non-Christian friends, where I've actually been able to help uh, maybe just pursue a little bit more this great commission that God gives us in Matthew 28. We're making disciples. Guess what? You can't make disciples of Jesus if everybody in your circle already knows Jesus. You need those non-Christian family members. You need those non-Christian friends. If you don't have non-Christians in your life, there's something wrong. But what I am implying and what I believe the text is implying is that distinguish your circles. Distinguish your social circles. Here's what I mean by that. God has placed you to be an influencer in certain circles. For example, for me, I have tons of friends that I grew up with in public school and later on in college that didn't know Jesus. Guess what? God has placed me to be an influencer in those circles. For you, it might be your workplace as well. Maybe it's not just your friend, it's your coworkers. And you are called to be an influencer. That doesn't mean you have to go and preach Jesus each and every day. But man, by the way that you work, let it speak. And there's other circles where God has called you to be influenced. What does that mean? Okay, so like for me personally, I have, you know, some pastors either here at the church, like if I'm meeting with Pastor Steve or Pastor Dan or like some other pastors from other churches that have been doing this for way longer than me, that have way more wisdom than me, my job in those circles is to shut up and listen (laughs) to what they have to say. I'm called to be influenced in those circles. And then there's other ones where you are probably both the influencer and also being influenced. For me, that's the sanctuary staff that I have here. Or yeah, it's my job to influence my coworkers, but man, I'm also influenced by them as God is speaking to them and through them. So what does that mean more practically is in these tough times that David is talking about, remember he says that his joy, his delight is in God's people, which is amazing. Essentially, when the poop hits the fan, I'm not calling up my friends that I'm called to influence to tell me what to do with my life because they probably would give some pretty bad advice. I'm calling up a Pastor Dan. I'm calling up Pastor Jeremy. I'm calling up some of these other guys in my life that God has placed in my life to influence me. But just as I'm receiving from them, man, I'm also called to give it away. So in those circles that I'm called to influence, man, I'm sharing wisdom with them. I'm with them in their tough times. Amen. And as you pursue those people, as you pick your people, you're going to find more joy in God. So here are my two questions to this one. How do you ensure you're with the right people? How do you ensure you're listening to the right people? Second one is, why did you choose the people you're walking with? Maybe they just showed up. That's okay. But the people that you're actually like walking on this path of life with, choose wisely. Amen. Last point. Perceive your pleasure. Perceive your pleasure. The last part of this verse, David's talking about God. He says, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Man, you know what this is? This is like a campaign for no more grumpy Christians. (laughs) Please, no more grumpy Christians. David is saying, God, you filled the earth with pleasures. You have literally given us so much to enjoy here on earth. 
your company and the company of your people, the great outdoors, like the great outdoors are still great. You don't just have to view it from Instagram. <laughs> or I like watching like the documentaries on nature, right? BBC, so good. David Attenborough, he can just narrate my life. Oh my goodness, I feel smarter just listening to him. I don't even know what he's talking about half the time, but I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and um, what if God is actually calling us like outside to enjoy it? Outside of Netflix. Are you enjoying God's pleasures here on earth? Are you enjoying it? Like, again, there's, there's purpose in the work that we do. But we're not just called to work all the time. Like, if you're one of those people like me who's on vacation but still worrying about work, like, I'm in the Bahamas presently, but my mind is still in Fairfield County, Connecticut. I'm not able to enjoy what God is giving me as divine rest. I think that often what the enemy does to curb us is he taints the pleasures that God has given us with a cheaper, easier, fake version of the good stuff. I mentioned an example in the prior service. It's like, man, did you know that God like gave us sex to actually be enjoyed? <laughs> I don't know, I've grown up in the church. Oh, did I hear somebody cheering? That's amazing. <laughs> Bless them, Lord, come on. <laughs> Remember like growing up in the church and like feeling awkward about like these feelings I was having, but again, he's given us this amazing deep thing to be enjoyed within the confines of a holy marriage between a husband and a wife. Yeah, we cheapen it, we settle for sex light, like the light version, the cheap version, the fake version of stuff that only lasts a moment when we buy into things like porn. Or actually, we don't even buy it anymore. It's anywhere and everywhere. So my question is, what gives you pleasure and why? Thing that this also comes when it comes to pleasure, it's the daily decision to say, I'm gonna have a spirit of contentment, not of complaining. Here's what I mean by that. It's been a really hot week. It's been a really hot summer. Man. And I, I remember praying earlier this week, like, God, please just cool me down. That would be amazing. Like, I, I just need like a cool breeze, like fresh breath from heaven. Breathe on me. Come on, bring it through the wind. And uh, maybe God answered my prayer. He didn't answer the one about the Red Sox yet, but um, he ended up sending uh, wind and like a big rainstorm. And I left work and I, and I got home. I was like, oh, I got to walk in the rain from my driveway inside the house. Come on. trying to get inside to the AC, but now I'm going to be sopping wet. And God's like, why don't you just like enjoy outside? 
So I go inside, I put my, my bag down, and I grab my 19-month-old son, and I'm like, let's go play in the rain. Let's go enjoy God refreshing us on this hot summer. And we were hopping from puddle to puddle and sliding around the grass, rolling around. Yeah, I ruined a pair of jeans, whatever, worth it. All for the sake of, man, I, I want to enjoy the earth that God has placed me on. I don't want to have a complaining attitude. God, I want to recognize that there are eternal pleasures at your right hand, even if it comes in the form of rain. I want my son to recognize that too. Like, hey, we're not going to complain. We're going to enjoy whatever God throws our way. We're going to love it. Amen. Will you stand with me as we close? Like David here, I want you to preach to yourself every day, but especially in discouraging times. Okay, what was David preaching to himself? God, you've made a way. God, you've gone before me. God, I'm finding purpose today in the relationship I have with you and in the work that you've placed me to do. God, today, I'm going to influence the right people and be influenced by the right people. And God, today, although I might not be on vacation, but for the other 351 days out of the year, God, today I'm gonna to take a moment to just stop, even if it's for a minute, just enjoy where you've placed me here on this planet, enjoying you, God, today and forevermore, amen. We wanna thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.